0: Welcome back to Make America Get Along Again, or MAGA for short. So welcome back, maggots. Or if you're new to the program, is that what we say, new to the program? If you're new to MAGA, then welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for checking out this conversation. And in the future, I am sure that I'll ask people to rate, review, subscribe, and tell their friends and visit my Patreon. I don't have a Patreon for this yet. But for now, I just want to say I really loved this conversation that I had with my friend Zaley about gender. I've been telling y'all that I would have this conversation with her for a while, and I finally had at least a conversation about gender. We still didn't cover 90% of the stuff that we thought we were going to talk about in the first conversation that we had about gender, and we might do that in the future. I'm sure we will, actually. We'll probably have 18 more conversations around these kinds of issues and really all kinds of other conversations because she's just someone with wisdom and a different perspective than most people and I just think it's really valuable and we kind of half-jokingly say that we want to get together regularly to perform cultural therapy. Um, And this issue, uh, the, the issue of gender is an issue that is just, you know, hot button right now. Today, as I'm recording this intro, it's August 28th, and just this morning, J.K. Rowling put out a little another thing on her website because of, you know, and so there's been more controversy today on the internet, on Twitter, and just still such a lack of nuance. And here, I just want to give an example of a conversation that is not binary, that is not, you know, you could have one where it's like, trans rights activists versus transphobe, and, but those aren't the two, I mean, not that many people, I don't think, consider themselves transphobes, for one thing, um, but in this whole arena of, of subject matter, gender, womanness, lesbianism, um, uh teen girls who are confused and are thinking that they're trans, even though maybe that is a sexist society or whatever, all that kind of stuff. There are not two positions. There are so many different, not only positions, but but areas of concern that people are operating from and seeing and waiting differently. And so this just as gender is a spectrum, just as gender is often fluid, just as gender is non-binary. This is a non-binary conversation about gender. I hope you like it. Oh yeah, and I am Ariel Isaac Norman, a lesbian comedian and podcaster, and I'm just here to help people see things from all kinds of different perspectives. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Zaley Kane. I'm gonna start recording, but um, you know I don't know uh how to do this at this point I I think we should just talk about something else and then still just get into it just drift yeah because yeah. it just feels weird to be like let's talk about gender at this point yeah, yeah, yeah. you
1: know what I mean well okay actually I, I feel like I know what I want to say I know what I'm comfortable saying and then I'm not sure after that because I feel like it's just not helpful necessarily yeah. to have one person break it all down it's More of a conversation, but... Yeah. The thing that I want to say is just kind of how shocked I am that the gender conversation has... that it's not been a clear part of the conversation this whole time about the way in which gender as a social construction is specifically an economic social construct. Okay. And that, therefore, the breakdown in gender that we're experiencing is totally predictable and totally understandable when you look at the fact that gender has always been used to designate what kind of labor we can expect from one peop- one type of person mm. based on their bodily tendencies and needs to contribute, mm-hmm. right, to the commons Yeah. or whatever word you want to plug in there to, you know, the yeah. people. So is. that it's really, you know, like... It's really been about kind of what can we expect from you as a contribution and then for the body itself, what is my purpose here? Mm. What do I contribute? How do I belong? How do I see myself as naturally fitting in to the sustenance of life? And so we now, you and I, live in a nation and in a context where labor uh, labor type and gender type or genital type Have been separated from each other effectively yeah and that's not universally true but that's now our norm that's yeah and so there's a bit and we've wanted that and i don't think it's a bad idea necessarily yeah but it's only possible because we have become um i don't want to say advanced but we've we've become so assisted people yes we've become so assisted that labor doesn't really have to do with our body anymore for, for a lot of people, this is what I'm saying for you and me and for yeah. like where we're at mm-hmm. that'' it's, it's, it's a different economy that we're in right And so gender is meaningless right now for us, yeah. not for everyone, not even for everyone in this country. but, but it, or for the, the people the, who are having yeah. these these like conversations right. out on another orbit about gender, right. like they've migrated to that orbit from a world in which gender was tied to right. the labor of the body. Cuz for, for so
0: long and for a lot of people still, but whatever so much of what women contributed was the growing and birthing and nursing and as well as raising of children. And we now in kind of the like liberal platonic ideal of our culture um, having children at all is not even mm-hmm. valued. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's a negative on a carbon footprint or whatever. And so it's... It's, it's, it's an indulgence now. A, And it's an indulgence. It's seen um, at worst as a selfish act. I mean, I, some people literally espouse the idea that having a child at all um, is a incredibly selfish act. And so far from the culture ever... like Because it, it, we could have gone in a direction... Up um, with feminism and stuff, and when we did it in some ways of going, hey, when you talk about work, let's you know, like this woman doesn't not work; she works inside the home. You know, we talk about um, we we could have had a more thing of like let's realize as a society that we value this work, we value it, and so mm-hmm. we're going to give paid maternity leave. We're going to make sure we don't discriminate against women for taking time off. We're going to. Um, you know, make sure that we, you know, value as a society and our law and our economic structure the work that is not paid mm-hmm. in the capitalist structure. But you know, make sure that um, it is honored and valued in every way in our culture. But we kind of like have glancingly uh, talked about that stuff. But mostly now, the the liberal, like the liberals, what what we're what they're fighting for is much more of a vision that ignores. Um, I think parenting Mm -hmm. as an ideal at all
1: yeah well and that definitely is labor I mean I think we'd all be a lot more I think we'd all when I say all I mean super conservative people and super liberal people would be better off if it were better communicated that, that marriage really is like a kind of priesthood that you enter into. Right. Like it's a real spiritual career. Right. And as is. The Mormons have that part, parenting. right? Parenting. Yeah, except well, not, I mean, I would say they have it backwards. Just the way that they're like, yeah. this is not for everyone, is my point. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? But I also want to table jumping straight to the issue of motherhood and childbirth, only because I think that's the one where people actually have been thinking about, like, where gender comes into play. What I'm really interested in is this concept of, if you go to some places in the world today, Mm -hmm. including some places in our country, or if you went 100 years ago to where my family came from, and you ask them what is a man and what is a woman, they would not reply with anything about genitals or chromosomes. They would say the men go fishing. And the women spin the yarn and you right. know co- like they would describe what you do what do you do what do you do yeah. right yeah like what is your contribution and so right. well the, and obviously they, we they might they might mention
0: something about parenting at some point in those lists of what you do but uh yeah, yeah. I think you they would know, probably be like, we're the, yeah. we're the mothers and we pick the berries or we spin the baskets or whatever. Yes, but Of course yeah.
1: that's part of it. But right. I'm saying I don't want us to focus on right. that. I don't want us to focus on that because then we get distracted with this whole thing about but not all women are mothers and right. you know so my point is more just like we're in a new economy where your assumed contribution has been divorced from your apparent right. biology. Okay. Right. And that's something we wanted. And I don't think it's a bad idea. I think it's in many ways a huge relief and way overdue. But we've also lost some security there in what gender used to give us. Mm. So the fact is we have some people who are living post-gender where gender is meaningless. They don't have gender. We're in between gender. Um, As long as we're in between functional economies, we're in between a meaningful gender. Yeah. Um, and that needs to be mourned mm-hmm. because it did give us something. It gave us a lot less having to legislate in our relationships of who does what. Mm-hmm. It, it did a lot more clarity, um, provided a lot more clarity in some ways. Mm-hmm. And gave, I think, gave our bodies, I think, some sort of somatic intelligence and in that we could see like what our path was. And it wasn't something we had to pick for ourselves based on you know, these existential questions of who do we want to be and, mm-hmm. you know, like, what direction, you know, just that mm-hmm. option overload that we have now. Mm-hmm. And so what I would love to see is, is people just being able to comfortably recognize, like, oh, I'm in that in-betweenness. I'm, I'm at that strata of privilege yeah. where gender is meaningless for me or in my social circle. Right. And all that means is that I probably have to mourn that, and then I have to get on with the business of deciding like, what my contribution will be consciously and not based right. on some biological destiny. But to refocus on that, what do I want my contribution to be? Yeah. Because without being pointed in that direction, I think it's human nature to get wrapped up in the whole weirdness of just our orientation in the sense of where we are in history, which is in this huge economic flux... Yeah. As the world becomes, the trade networks become globalized in a way that they are at a speed they haven't been at before. Yeah. And then just the trickle-down effects of that and what's, what's resonating out in terms of um, you know, people who've been traditionally exploited, women and people of color in this country, mm-hmm. um, and children. That, that there's uh, always been resistance and that there's another wave now, you know. And it's a lot to ride out.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. Okay, so we, in olden times and in other parts of the world still, you had, yeah, a sense of your meaning, your purpose, your place, really, in life, in the tribe, in the village, in the nation was um, you know, there's, a, there's a blessing and a curse to write the kind of limit of, of choice, right. It's like that um, Barry Schwartz's book, The Paradox of Choice is all about how we all think we want all this freedom and choices, and we do in a large a lot of ways. But once you get to 38 types of catch up, it becomes, it becomes, um, yeah, like paralyzing. Because well, there's
1: that, there's that where, you know, we, we literally just get overloaded. Yeah. Um, with the chore, you know, neurologically it's a chore to just weigh options yeah. and projected outcomes and, you know, but also like as Americans, I think we tend to think of it as choice or no choice, mm. but from a traditional standpoint, I think it's an issue of purpose or no purpose. Right. And no purpose is a kind of freedom because then you can invent your purpose. Right. But that's also a lot to ask from anyone, much less someone who's been deprived of the cultural nutrition. (laughs) Right. That we need to feel sane. Yeah, so that's
0: basically where we're at. We're going, okay, everyone's free. Um and and everything that gave you a sense of purpose and meaning before you're no longer uh weighed down by Mm -hmm. whether that's your gender or your religion or a sense of people or anything um but also you no longer have that to help you to guide you to to help you in find a direction so you're free but you're also kind of anchorless tetherless um, and we also aren't talking about that as a culture explicitly or even thinking about it for most people, contemplating it at all. And so good luck trying to figure mm-hmm. out that that's even what's going on with you and now um, figuring out <laughs> your direction from there.
1: Well, yeah, you know, I think we're free in some ways that we didn't account on or we're disoriented in some Or it feels different to be free in some mm-hmm. ways than we imagined it. And then in other ways I think we're not as free as we assumed we could be in terms of like that we are all carrying these instincts from other lands, from yeah. literally other climates. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is a pretty fast like this is again, and that's that's been the, the, the modern American impulse is to just expect like instantaneous, I don't know, transformation. Mm-hmm. That you know, people can come here by whatever means and immediately acclimate, mm-hmm. and that's just not how the nervous system works, especially when there's trauma involved in the migration. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so we do. We have we carry this information about other places in the world, and I think that's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, but if we don't realize that that's what we're doing, that those places and the expectations that a person would have with being in those places are still in us while we're here, right. then we're just setting ourselves up for a shit show. Yeah. You know, so acknowledging that and learning about that and celebrating that, because that is what's really cool, but we, we, we have a lo- we have our work cut out for us in terms of learning these high-level communication skills, learning yeah. to... Um, You know, become like bilingual emotionally. I think, in a way, where you're, where you're translating a lot all the time, interacting with different people who have who were raised with different mores, and so they're they're literally bringing you, you know, a a kind of slice of a different universe, and that's between white people too.
0: True. True. I mean, I think of it as like uh, if we, if you know, those of us. Uh, Some people started going and uh, populating another planet, for instance. If we supposedly could find one that was habitable at all and whatever, make it work. And people started... People would know that we evolved on Earth and that we were strangers in a strange land and and had to kind of deal with that. But people aren't necessarily thinking about... Almost no one has been thinking about that. That same thing is true when you migrate or when your ancestors migrated to a new land... We are, our bodies are habituated to a completely different climate, a p- completely different type of land, whatever. So, just on that visceral level, we don't, if we're not acknowledging that um, we're living unnatural lives. I mean, but even at the same time, if you're in your own, you know, ancestral land, just modern technologies of light and things just make it so we're not living in a natural kind of rhythm. Um, of of how we evolved, much less global markets bringing us foods and things that are um, non-native and non-seasonal and whatnot, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of... I mean, and so this is what I mean when I say that we we all have... We need to be able to talk about our mental illness, how it behaves Mm -hmm. in ourselves, because we all have it, and it belongs to all of us together. Mm -hmm. This world that we've co-created which, you know, I'll just say it's full of a lot of demands. It's full of a lot of demands on us to adapt um, all at the same time and on the other hand, so it's both overstimulating and understimulating in a way and it's pretty unfamiliar for, like, I feel unfamiliar in this world sometimes just from since the time I was born with the things that we have to negotiate and how they work, how we communicate at the pace of things, you know. So that's just in my one lifetime, but since the industrial revolution or before that, I mean like there's a lot that my body is still catching up to,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know. So there's a lot of stress there and there's a lot of um a lot that needs to be grieved. And when I say that, I mean to become consciously aware that something's changed and to to really acknowledge and, uh, express, like, how I feel about that, all the things, you know, all the things that I feel about that, so that I can just integrate this information that, like, okay, well, we're not going to Blockbuster anymore, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. run into my friends at Blockbuster, <laughs> you know, like, I never mourned mm-hmm. that, because nobody was ever like, we should have a collective, hey, the economy's changing, we all it made changes jokes. so fast
0: we all made jokes, and that helps, but we should have a collective mourning about Blockbuster, a collective, you know, let's have a funeral. Let's have mm-hmm. a giant Zoom funeral mm-hmm, as Americans about mm-hmm. losing Blockbuster because it's true. Like what we gave up, what we decided to give up um, for the convenience of being in our own homes, right. and for what we were groomed to get the DVDs. Which I still I love getting the DVDs in the mail because it would. Then it takes my choice away. I just know oh, I'm yeah. gonna watch whichever one is next in my queue. Cu- they stress me time. out. I'll say, but but either way, but we we and then we they wanted, we want we traded for the convenience mm-hmm. of um, access to all of these shows mm-hmm. from our couches and never having to go. Yeah, going and wandering the halls with your friends. It was part of a night of like that. It felt like right. a thing to go and and figure out which movie you're gonna do and talk to the nerd who worked there about you know, you could get, and they would have staff picks
1: on the Yeah, yeah. And and was great. I the, never didn't see somebody I knew going yeah. there. It was reliable, you know, and it was, it was the chat you didn't know you needed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that was in a place where, you know, or that's ex- especially valuable in a place where you don't really have like a downtown or a park, you know, yeah. like those, that kind of experience but it's convenience is always the temptation and it always will be because we're wired to select the most energetically economical choice and for our personal behavior that's usually just selecting the familiar
0: yeah you
1: know even if it's like wow i'm wasting a lot of energy being an alcoholic if that's your familiar choice you know to like reach for the drink then that's what's that's the one you're going to go with unless you you really um intercept that behavior But bringing it back to gender, you know, my main point being, like, I'm baffled that we've been talking about gender, like, if I were to try to publish in an academic journal, like, so gender is whatever I think it is, and, you know, whatever I feel, it would be shot down, because it would be like, that doesn't contribute anything to the, that doesn't help people express themselves, Uh you know, that, that doesn't help us understand how to interact so go deeper, go deeper. And what I've observed is we already had language. We're not comfortable using it lately, I think, because our multiculturalism has sort of pressured us into um, secular, feeling more comfortable in secular conversation, and I feel that too. Yeah. Um, it's more. It feels more neutral. But in spiritual vernacular, we used to describe ourselves in terms of like, having an inner self or having like a real essence or having something that was truer than your body and and that had to do with your soul or your spirit that's maybe what your I find, persona
0: but it's so fascinating to me that's what i find was is it, you know with almost all of the trans people i know they are atheists and do not believe in the soul and yet what they're talking about it's, I'm like, I think you do believe in a soul. <laughs> I think what you're talking about is your soul. And, if, and and that's how I can understand it. You know what I mean? If you really feel like you're which is hilarious because, you know, the Mormons, you know, have doubled down on, our, you know, the, the, the proclamation of the family in 2004 was like, you have a soul and, and for eternity it's a man or a woman. And they just, like, uh, recently came out with another one in in the, you know, heat of all this transgender stuff, they were like, by the way, we have still not changed. Uh Um, Your soul is gendered. It's either a man or a woman forever. And it's it's funny to me because I'm like, God, when I try to look into my soul and and find a gender, I just come up empty-handed, but... um,
1: Well, I mean, I don't want to cut you off there, but I feel like like my in my personal experience and what I've seen through the way my clients use this language is if spirit is anything, it is the thing it is the it is the eternal flame, right? right. So it's always flickering. So to ask it to strike a pose and just right. like be this concrete trait is sort of blasphemous. Exactly. I'm like, it's God, y'all. How it is it is it is what is dynamic gender? with what everyone yeah. else is. Right. You know? And that's why that sexual that's why sexuality is like chemistry, you know. Yeah. Like literally because it's who I am as I respond to you, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're living in relation, truly. Mm -hmm. So, but it's become harder to talk about that. It's become embarrassing and triggering and stressful to talk about that. So I think that there's this sort of unmourned vocabulary of the spirit where we haven't really acknowledged, like, oh, that used to be, like, the most important thing to us, and now we're all, like, you know, like we're, we're looking at an old yearbook photo of ourselves with, like, crazy
0: bangs. And then it it pushes some people too hard into, you know, crystal land or whatever, which it's like, because if you're not allowed, if you will, in like liberal circles, yeah, or even because of like in conservative ones, maybe you got to pick one of their religions, but in liberal ones, you're not allowed to talk about soul and spirit or whatever, or you have to
1: go hard woo-woo. Well, I mean, I think of it all as terrain. So for example, there's always somebody who's farther out than you're willing to go, who's mm -hmm. just out of your comfort zone. And that's true for me, you know, like, when I'm in my personal head and not my professional head, you know, where I'll just be like, uh, yeah, I don't, like, (laughs) I hope I never do so many drugs that I'm talking like you right now, because this is just unfucking relatable you Mm -hmm. know? But, I'll think that, I'll have that thought, and then, like, 13 months later, I'll be like, that person was a genius, like, (laughs) how brave, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And it's just like... It's like I wandered over onto their hill.
0: Yeah.
1: I couldn't see what they were talking about because I wasn't on their hill. And then I went to their hill and I was like, oh, this is also a real place suitable for some moments and some bodies. Mm -hmm. And then I probably won't stay there forever either, you know? Yeah. Because it's a migration. But anyway, so I'm just meant to say that I think that we had this like this vacuum in the fact that our social or our spiritual vocabulary disappeared. Mm-hmm. ceased to have meaning and that we just decided that it was not real or not relevant and embarrassing. Yeah. And then what we're left with are our biological vi- vocabulary and our economic vocabulary. Mm. But we aren't acknowledging this aspect of our economic vocabulary as economic. And mm-hmm. so it's like those two blurry areas just kind of became what gender is now. Yeah. I think it would be more mature to just acknowledge that, like, okay, we've effectively suspended v- spiritual vocabulary from, you know, public discord. or not all of us, but right, the, who we're saying, talking about, yeah. you know, because you hear plenty Renee of it, Brit and sounds Oprah cute. and Krista Tippett are still talking about soul and
0: spirit and whatever.
1: But yeah, and the whole like red, right? You know, yeah, like yeah. there's plenty of the talk going on for sure. But there's a lot of nervousness around it. Let's say a lot of resistance. Yeah, a lot of nervousness for sure. And then that we like, and and then that we've been using this economic language, uh, sort of arbitrarily, you know, trying to be like, well, it does have to do with the body, and it does have to do with um, how I experience my identity. But the conversation that's maybe not being had is just this deeper look at, you know, really, really, really until very, very recently, like your body was your destiny economically. And what does that mean? That means that women have been laborers this whole time. Yeah, Women have been performing, they've been gathering the seaweed, they've been keeping the fire going, they've been keeping people fed, they've been mourning at the funerals you know they've been doing the emotional labor like all this has been going on the whole time and it has been based on sexual performance and it Mm -hmm. has been mainly only compensated by room and board so where are we now when we're looking at that as our history right a lot more to be mourned but it actually is a grief that ties us all together you know Mm -hmm. but who wants to say that who wants to say like Because we are having great conversations about our boobies and dangly... You know, like our genitals, you know? And they're not not magical. They're not not fundamental to who we are. And God knows I have those conversations too. But with the... With the condition that the world is in... And sometimes I feel angry that we are having these conversations acting like we have nowhere else to be and nothing else to be doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I feel like we need to talk while we walk, you know? Um, And part of it is just, I think the starting point is not to, like, a battlefield, but just to a space of communion and grief that it's really sinking in. It's maybe, what are we now, like, only two or three generations after... Uh, women like really began to percolate into the workforce, yeah. as you know, and and we're still not at a point where our time is equally valued, where our energy is equally valued, and where our rest and our safety is equally secured. Yeah, we're still not there, even in the most privileged yeah. places of the world. Right. But already, I think what's happening is this: this like horror is dawning on us, similar to the way that. It was beginning to dawn for white people in this country just recently with the George Floyd protests. Yeah. That, like, all of our foremothers were sex trafficked. Yes. And it's so normalized. Yeah. So there was no other way. That's what, I don't think, I mean, like, it just makes me cry, but like. Cry, girl. No, I know. know. Or whatever you Uh are. Yeah. Cry all your tears. It doesn't, like,
0: literally nothing mis- feels like misgendering to me. It's so funny, because when I was dating um, Alexander, you know, I I would blip on every gender thing that anyone uh-huh. said, and I was, like, conscious of kind of it, you know? And now, it, it it's kind of like when people mispronounce my name, I learned to not notice it. Um, Ariel, like, all those things. I, it, I wouldn't even hear it most of the time, yeah, yeah. you know? And it's the same thing with, with gender to me now. I'm like, yeah, that's all me. Like... It doesn't even occur to me if someone uses yeah. any gendering language now, except for they/them, which I fall <laughs> down. But that's because you know it's. I just I don't want you to assume my politics. You can okay, think yeah. whatever you want about my genitals or my gender, whatever. But the they/them thing declares a politics, and I don't. I you know that I find much more offensive than assuming my genitals. Um, but yeah, I mean, what and the fact that people won't acknowledge it. It's like, yeah women were owned, owned, until a few decades ago. Mm-hmm. Owned. All of us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just... It wasn't, you know, oh, different different men would enslave different men of all kinds of races or their own race or whatever. Like, that has happened throughout history, and it's been awful. But for so much. And, and in Western, we our, our religions and, and all of our governance and everything, they go... Women are nothing, and we are property. I was just listening to Alexander Hamilton's um, biography, and I can't remember the quote, but it was something. It was a woman he was like in love with and wanted to marry, or you know, whatever. I'm like, can you even say in love when they they felt the way that they did? And the quote that he had about the woman that he was courting because he was like so into her was something just so dismissive and it's just how it, of, of, it, of the other sex it was like you know the, the dumb not subhuman sex was basically what the mm-hmm. gist of it was and that was how all men thought of women that was just what you want to talk about canceling people cancel every fucking buddy cancel the entire history at least in the west of every man they because they didn't even think of us as human yeah they thought of us as subhuman vessels for their dicks and their children now that was just understood. And that was what women understood of ourselves. So it's like, yeah, we need to talk about that. Because like, you want to talk collectively grieving stuff? Let's collectively grieve that we were all rapists and slave owners of women mm-hmm. until a few
1: decades ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what, grief can do. that's what grief can do, you know, is cancel it in the way that it, that it needs, in the way that we'll feel good. Yeah, You know, where we, where we can let it burn away. But it's, it's exactly the same with every other kind of struggle for civil rights and every other kind of progressive labor movement where we have to acknowledge what the conditions have been. Yeah. Because that's what we have to name as intolerable. Right. And it's still so normalized. And I was reflecting on how, you know, I mean, so you and I are of the age where We encountered a lot in our school books where people would refer to man and mankind, and Mm -hmm. and we were instructed to read that as everyone. People, yeah. You know? And we learned, too, but I don't think it's ever fully received by the body. I think there's always a gap. Mm -hmm. But what I only realized recently is that, like, we were, it it was, it was, it was... presented to us as that's how it was written with that intention that it mean everyone Right. And it but, it, but it wasn't Right. And you you could feel they, it. they said what they meant and you can feel it as
0: a woman and I think that men tend to be blind to, to that but you're, you, when you talk about it's in your body yeah the, everything that I just expressed is what's in my body because of that because yeah. I know when I read the word mankind when mm-hmm. I read the word man I know they're talking about just men
1: mm-hmm. I
0: know that they did not respect us they did not think of us as equal they thought of us as uh, intellectually inferior and the kind and that we were we were wombs they believed that we were wombs Mm -hmm. and so of course of course they didn't mean people kind they meant man kind they meant that eve was a rib compared to adam yeah that's where we come from that's where we come from and then and, and and women kind of like we're like, well, let's get the right to vote, and then let's, uh, you know, try to <laughs> be able to join the workforce, and now we can wear pants. And it's cute, but it's this interesting little piecemeal approach has gotten us to the point where we have forgotten. we've just forgotten that we just liberated ourselves from being owned, right. and being owned and thought of as subhuman. I mean, you know, if you put people in a chart, it was like. You gotta ask one of those old, you know, white, you know, men from the 18th century, like, uh, between a black man and a white woman, and they really had more respect for the black man at some point, you know? Because, yeah, please, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to say that at any period in history, there have been a range of positions on this. Like, this sure. is an ongoing conversation of what is humanity, and that's that's the basis of the game, in yeah. a way. But you're right that the way that the culture has behaved for as long as we can track, unless you want to yeah. go back to like ancient Minoan Greece or, yeah. you know, uh, and I'm talking about the, the, the primary lineage of, of America here as the settler state, the settler yeah. government. Um, the people, those people came from. Right. That like this, this has been the legacy and women are so happy to be quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially you turn stomachs when we start grouping white women in with everyone else because that's just such a touchy area, mm-hmm. you know, um, the Stockholm syndrome or whatever you want to call it that white women have, have had to their own subjugation. Right. Uh, that's like a, not a conversation for the thing to heart, the people who get up in their feels easy, you yeah. know, because it's just. It's so fresh to us. Like, I would say that right now we're still just in this period where, like, for my own self... I mean, I got a lot of mixed messages about what my ambition was allowed to be. Yeah. um, Both professionally and sexually. Yeah. You know? Um, But but it's kind of like I was heavily encouraged to do ambitious things, but... And I didn't realize this at the time, but I felt it. But only in so far as those were for my resume... For a man
0: mm.
1: you know or for increasing the status of the men around you. And him. our children I would say because I do remember this study
0: I think that the Mormons were really into this study at one point they were like well make sure you get a degree women because studies have shown that your children have better outcomes. Children have better outcomes when the mother has a degree. Oh that's interesting. Oh that was like <laughs> such that one was spreading around like wow it was because it was like yeah, it let, don't don't worry about your own, you know, for your own self fulfillment, but you might want it for a career, whatever. This was a way to say, yeah, get educated because it's mm-hmm. going to be a better outcome for your children. And
1: I don't have any problems with those kinds of advice. I actually find that like a lot of what seems so dated and nasty and is affectionately toxic taught by. You know, the Mormon church specifically actually has a context in which it makes sense. The main yeah. problem is just assuming that every woman is a breeder, that every yeah. woman wants to be domesticated or wants to have sex with men or wants to have one partner. It's just like this 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 is like a pocket of advice that is like So niche, you know, it's it's like for certain types of
0: monogamous straight. I'm also fine with you talking about that being one of the many reasons you might want to get a degree. But when that was what was like being told to us as like this is the guy. I know a lot of y'all are because uh, on the other side had been the competing advice. Uh, to not get a degree it would be better to just go ahead and get married right um you remember it was kind of when we were kids that or even uh, teenagers whatever that that they were having this debate where it was like is it even a good idea to get a degree or is is the more righteous thing to do to drop out of college you know you you get your mrs degree two years of byu and then you get married and start having those kids see
1: i though i and so, I was raised in Vermont, right? Oh, and, yeah. And had <laughs> I, I had a different thing. So, most of my ward in Vermont, my congregation in Vermont, there were not a lot of Mormons in Vermont. There were not a lot of people in Vermont. Yeah. Know, we used to always say there are more cows than people. But this is like a nice folksy mountain religion we have here. And mm. so, you know, and that's the land of Joseph, Vermont. Mm. So, it had a, a bit of a following. And it was mostly, I would say... Uh, poor or working class rural people Mm -hmm. and in that context my family was distinctly suburban and upwardly mobile my dad being second generation american he was really trying to prove himself um you (laughs) would not like me saying that but it's true um and he had that pride, so this is where I had the the multicultural, like the invisibly multicultural upbringing, because mm-hmm. it's like all very white, Yeah. Um, being like Irish American Mormon in Vermont. I mean, yeah. that's a triple whammy. Yeah. But within that, that there were these different strains, and so I think I, I think I was I don't know if I was sheltered from that that conversation or that doctrine at church, but I definitely got a strong message from my father. Even as he was insisting on the church being like, you will Mm -hmm. get your degree, and you you should not marry before, and you should date many people, and you should travel. Like he had this, he had this whole other thing about like um, status in his own Mm. way. You Mm -hmm. know, like it was a family legacy thing of we're not going backward. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, in my own family, I mean, my mother wanted very much for us to, you know, not... She said we shouldn't date, start dating until we were 25, and, you know, wanted us to... Off, of course, we were going to get an education, but it was just very explicit at church. Like, I'm surprised even if you have, uh, you know, with your particular family being one way, at church, it was just like... <laughs> that cultural idea was, was everywhere. Like, people would talk about, like, should girls get degrees... Or is it better to you know everyone kind of knows you go off and then you just you're just going to BYU to find a husband and then so you may as well just you know drop out as soon as you find him and then start making the babies and everything because what's your degree for and that's when the church was like I think promoting that study was they were they you know and good for them just the way the Mormon Church is like don't get into debt, don't be addicted yeah, to porn, yeah, yeah. you know, lot get lot degrees. <laughs> like, there's a lot of good stuff. And so, to their credit, they were just trying to be like, no, women, you should get your degrees, you should finish your degrees. It turns uh-huh. out it's better for the kids. But still, just that whole thing being focused on, like, but that's what you are as a woman is. When you remember even just the, the idea of that we couldn't enter the priesthood um, was they said, well, that's because you have the priesthood of, of childbirth. Y'all are the child bearers. And, um, and so that's that's our sacred duty in place is um, is that part of things. And, that, and that's why it makes sense that we don't have a priesthood.
1: Well, that would make sense to me if then you had the child bearing priesthood also in yeah. the general council. Right. You know. Yeah,
0: there's not a lot of representation for our <laughs> half of the priesthood. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's where they go wrong so much, I think, is... Um, just well one the resistance to actually responding to the era we're in it's like just all this wishful thinking that it was still like 1850 yeah it's like ma um (laughs) but that and just bad bad communication like bad communicators and i do it would inevitably improve if you had even the most sycophantic women in there yeah you know because they would want to please the other women as well by representing them in some regard yeah (laughs) so (laughs) yeah yeah so it's it's not, like, a real decision-making structure that I, like, trust in any way at this point. But <sighs> but I can see why people stick with it, you know, because there there's a lot that, that comes through. And some people, of course, have no option.
0: Well, and it's nice in a world that is so rudderless to have, you know, your life pretty well laid out and the entire afterlife. It gives people a lot of security, a lot of... Um, yeah well, it, for sure it takes away a lot of the anxiety if you really like you pretty much as a Mormon you really have all the answers yeah I mean maybe dinosaurs are a little fuzzy you know so, yeah, yeah, yeah. but other than that you know, and if on. you're
1: insecure about your genitals it's a great one because they don't get to see them and nobody gets to see them until after they've agreed to marry you uh
0: totally well I mean I think that's part of my like uh, ongoing sense of like body shame and everything it's just like well, yeah, they make it so convenient because I didn't have to risk any of that vulnerability until I got married. And and even even dating, like I had the perfect excuse not to date at all until mm-hmm. I was sixteen. And then I'm not even allowed to date non Mormon you know, and then um yeah, all this kind of stuff, like you're not gonna have sex. It it, it it or it would be naked in front of anyone, you know. It was so it's so normalized. It's kind of like, um, the co- coddling—it's an enabling of us to to be shy and um, and everything. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't have to,
1: you, you don't have, have to get in front of them, much less have sex. Yeah, exactly. I've described it not specifically a sexual aspect, although now that I think of it, that also applies. But I've described it as like. Just having your Mormonism as, like, the nest in which your parents, like, sit on you and then, like, Mm -hmm. don't ever get off you after you hatch. Yeah. They just keep, like, warming you and protecting you in this way where you want to kill yourself. A lot of people like nests, (laughs) I guess, but it's a little mommy
0: dearest, yeah. Um, Can we take a pause? I need to use the restroom. For sure.
1: (sighs) I don't know. Well, wait. We said we were going to talk about gender today, right? Yes. I think we've done pretty well, actually. We've been pretty much sticking to the topic. Sticking to it. But the the main thrust of it, right, for me is like, Mm -hmm. so what does this do to our... If we're going to be... Obviously, we need to talk about gender right now. Yes. What does it do to that conversation when we think of feminism as a labor movement and when we think of gender as economic terms? Like, where does that Mm -hmm. put... The priorities, and I think it puts them back in a place that feels better in my conscience where we're still, it's about protecting people's right to rest, protecting the safety of vulnerable bodies and children and their right to develop, you know? Mm -hmm. And that work is not done, even if it seems like really like, oh, we've got all this handled in our corner of the world. There are a lot of places where that's extremely not true. Yeah, and so to keep our eyes on that prize, and what I've no- noticed in my recent attempts to conduct conversations about those issues, mm-hmm. that there will be, and it's usually says women, says white women, who will say, who will try to steer it back to transgender issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately going to be a problem for everyone because what that behavior is, is not really, it's not really a solution-oriented behavior. It's not like they're saying, oh, and here's how I'm advancing the conversation about trans issues. They're just saying, what about trans issues so we don't have to talk about this thing that we understand less because we don't get to define it, you know, like Mm -hmm. female genital mutilation in a continent where we don't live. And we're not sure how to enter that in power. Mm -hmm. We're not sure how to enter that appropriately. So it really exposes, I think, our ignorance and our privilege in uncomfortable ways to say, like, uh, we need to seek leadership. We need to follow through with our promise because the plan was we were going to get suffrage. We were going to get into positions of power. And we were going to liberate women and children, you know? And so now we do... The work's not done, and it probably never is. But we've gotten suffrage. We have access to power more than before and more theoretical access to power, too. But where is our courage going? What is it exploring? You know, what's taking our attention? And I think a lot of it... um, A lot of it is caught up in the anxiety of being in this between space Mm -hmm. with the ways in which we define ourselves and define our purpose. Mm. You know, so addressing that first and then coming back together, not necessarily as, like, leaders of some global movement, but of people who have, like, an arsenal of power in that global movement. Because that's what we have in America, you know. Mm. We do, we have leverage, we have leverage, and we have agency, um, and we have availability um, in some of our economic strata to to make this meaningful impact, you know, in the world for the welfare of, like you were saying, like half of humanity that's been degraded so that we can artificially accrue wealth in certain pockets yeah. of, of land, you know. That has to be reconciled, and so I... There's a little bit of our gender conversation, and again, I'm, I'm not putting this on uh, transgender people specifically. I think it's more so occurring with um, cisgendered people who want to, you know, understandably signal their compassionate nature and their availability mm-hmm. <laughs> to progress. But there's, there's some... Uh, ticks that I see that I believe come from disorientation and anxiety that want to kick a stone down the road conversationally Mm -hmm. and not really, because again, we don't know how we haven't had it modeled on this scale before, roll up our sleeves and be like, okay, we're changing things now, structurally, culturally, not just, you know, modifying ourselves so that we can maneuver more easily, um... In the climate as it is, but but we're changing this this cultural climate. How do we do that in right. cross culturally? It's I don't know. You know. How do we help uh, the women in the parts of the world where they're still chopping their clits off? Well, I mean, in, in, that example is a funny one to give because I would say we're chopping clits off here too. We just do it psychologically. You know, we do it through well, some people are body really shaming. Literally doing it now. Well, people <laughs> are chopping. Well, people they're trying to. You know. There's different motivations for chopping things off. And so, um, (laughs) you know, um, it's hard to talk all about it, about all of it in one way, but speaking for myself, like I experienced genital dissociation, Mm um, numbness, sexual numbness and, you know, dysmorphia and dysphoria, Based on my conditioning, based on how I was rejected as queer, um, based on what I was taught about myself and about how the women around me behaved in reaction to their own bodies and how the men behaved in reaction to their bodies and all of these things like really put a terror in me about my own body where like I could not access pleasure that way because I was not able to relax you know, in association with the idea of sex or genitals or... Yeah. The kind of, so it's a type of psychic castration, if you will. Yeah. But, you know, they're different, not saying they're the same experience. No, but that's but
0: interesting, yeah. We have a psychic castration happening to a lot of us here. Yeah. yeah. As judgmental as like we can be about um, the cultures that literally take a knife, it's, it's how many of our... Not just religions, but our, our social ideas are psychologically taking the knife yes, yes. to our genitals. Yeah. Cause
1: because we're culturally primitive if right? or, or psychologically barbaric in the way that we deal with children. Yeah. Fail to educate and initiate them and just have them integrate uh, you know healthy relationships to their bodies. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, children are really, really not allowed to have a sexuality... Um, in our culture, like t- to the extent that we're just insanely, uh, cognitive, it, we, it, we, the distortions that we have to get to, to pretend that children don't have a sexuality when well, we could ask them,
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, you know, but we mostly just, um, ignore and, you know, that, you know, and as a kid who happened to masturbate to orgasm since I was two, it was such a strange, you know, I have such a strange relationship to to my genitals still, I'm sure. And, you know, I'm sure, like, sometimes I don't know if it's... I just got so used to the way that I um, came since I was little that it's just too hard for me to, like, really um, come and other... Branch out. Branch out. Um, although, you know, I have had some success. But I, I also think that I may... There may be some... Dissociation or some kind of stop there that that a lot of women have of like um, receiving pleasure can be just really um, tricky for us because we were taught that that's uh, that we give pleasure, you know, like you know, we're trying to get yeah,
1: be for the other person's pleasure, and so yeah, it's a I think a lot of our resistance to receiving pleasure isn't actually about... Like, certainly there are weird relationships that can, be, that can happen be, between, like, our totality and our genitals in terms mm-hmm. of, like, you know, who am I? How do I feel about this? But I think we actually have even more of that tension between ourselves and our faces as women. Mm-hmm. And so the resistance to pleasure, the resistance to orgasm... Or new kinds of orgasm is often the resistance to different kinds of facial expressions. Yeah, you know, and like that's where choosing your partners is really important because you don't you want to be able to just like allow the contortions, yeah, yeah. right, and allow the sounds yeah, and, so much, and yeah. surrender to all of that. But if you're with someone who scares easy or who really needs you to be a baby doll plaything, a portrait EV, yeah. of what they desire yeah. to validate them then they might reflect back to you some kind of disapproval. And when you're in that vulnerable state,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's, that's toxic, you yeah, know. Yeah. That's, that will be a trauma in that it will continue to be an obstacle for you. Um,
0: but the good thing about it is when someone's head is buried between your legs is that they can't see your face anyway. Yeah. So I ought to be able to be free facial expression-wise yeah. at least. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. That's just a tricky one for me. It's like I really don't know whether I have a psychological block there or if it's just a physical um, habit, you know. Basically, but you know, but I certainly remember being a child and having it. Like the shame that comes along with everyone in the culture acting as if uh, children your age or even older than you don't have sexuality and you know and never could, and for you to be like god i mean i've been coming for years i think about (laughs) fucking orgies of all crazy nature you know um yeah it's just a strange thing i mean what do we do with that but i think it's just like we also we're so uncomfortable as a culture um because of pedophilia Mm -hmm. um that you know it's hard to even it's it's that weird projectiony kind of stuff defense mechanisms of we have to pretend children don't have sexuality at all because of the men let's be honest who are sometimes interested in that sexuality Um, and yeah
1: Hmm. I just have to take a breath before speaking about pedophilia I think that's good good protocol yeah (laughs) you know it's the ultimate taboo of our times and for understandable reasons you know like there's What do you say about that? Um, In terms of denying that children have sexuality, Mm -hmm. um, that's a necessity out of the adults denying their own nature. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty easy fix in that way. And that, you know, it could be part of prenatal classes, you Mm -hmm. know, and it should be that... How to model body acceptance uh, so that like shame doesn't get transmitted because most of it gets transmitted through observation, you know, not through the talks, but also what people refuse to talk about, right? Where or where they demonstrate that they are tense and want to change the subject immediately, right. you know. That's how kids understand, like, oh, there's something wrong with my penis, you right. know. Um, peop- my mom, mom, mommy and daddy don't like my vagina, right. you know, this kind of a thing. Right. Um, so we can do a lot better about that, and then I think when we do do better about that, you won't really see the levels of pedophilia that we're yeah. seeing right now, where where you know people because I'm I'm guessing for most obviously I haven't like examined a ton of pedophiles, but extending on what I what I understand from functional bodies, it's like. the desire to transgress in that way, or the compulsion to transgress in that way, Mm -hmm. um, like is related to the sensation of transgression within of just being sexual, of just having sexual needs, um, and of not having access probably to their sexuality in childhood Mm -hmm. because of the shame, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, I mean, I interpret it anyway as, like, an unconscious, which is the compulsive part. People are like, oh, but they planned it all out. And it's like, no, you don't. That's not what I mean. I don't mean unconscious like you're blackout drunk. Yeah. You know, I mean unconscious in terms of until you click that link, you can't stop thinking about clicking that link. Yeah. And so your whole life seems to be leading to clicking that link. Yeah. You know, because... Otherwise, it's just screeching in your head, or you know what I mean. Or you just yeah. you do just find yourself, you know. So um, that's what I mean by that type of compulsive behavior. Um, yeah, I think we would see less of that intensity of compulsion if we saw less um, spiritual trauma or sexual trauma um, in parenting. But as for whether that comes directly from parent to child, or if that's transmit, you know, or if it's like there's a A a DNA, you know, like a kind of trait, you know, biochemical trait that makes people more at risk for it, like, I can't really speak on that but um, you know, it's it's going to be one of those things where I'm really curious in like, looking back from 400 years, how they're going to describe uh, this government and this culture, you know, which is we know by now, it's like totally based on sex trafficking and I think it's hard for us to accept that because it seems uh, like those are totally different things, you know? Like the USA flag or whatever. Yeah. And then sexual exploitation, sex trafficking. But we know, actually, just what we were talking about where it was normalized that, like, all women were sex workers. It's so funny. Well, or just what you say, like, sex trafficking. It's like,
0: oh, yeah. Until we started, you know, dismantling in a piecemeal way, the concept that women were the property of men, um, that's what marriage was. Mm-hmm. It was sex trafficking.
1: Mm-hmm. You were saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's, it's hard to wrap our minds around, you know, especially because the narrative around marriage has, has been like this holy thing, too. And I, and I I see how it is that as well. Yes, and I consider it, it that in my life, yeah. you know? Um, but nonetheless, that, like, it looks so sinister looking back, but another way to think of it is just that you know, look, um, the economy and, um, the economy is how we arrange to meet our needs, right? Sexual needs were considered part of the economy. Reproductive needs were considered part of the economy Mm -hmm. and they were handled in different ways. This was before like individualism, you know, Um, but there's but there's overlap. it's not like there was some hard line because look at how the male geniuses have emerged you know post enlightenment or whatever, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, now we have these male rock stars in the arts world and in the philosophy world and in the political world, and you know they're getting all their fucking ideas from their wives and daughters, you know mm-hmm. you know like you you know that they're like the best of what they have mm-hmm. is is coming from. Um, these places where they're held in some emotional accountability, accountability you yeah. know. Um, but they're just, but they're, they're, the women are the secretaries, and the women are the caterers, and the women are the yeah. childcare providers, you know. Right. And the women are the energy workers,
0: right.
1: too, in terms of the emotional labor and the sexual labor. And so, yeah, just coming to terms with this fact, we are still emerging. So we're still in the birth canal, yeah. you know from a, a womb from a world in which if you wanted a roof over your head and food in your belly, you had to negotiate your sexual identity you had to agree to provide it in certain ways and to not explore it in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And that was fundamental to your contribution and if you couldn't if you couldn't consent to that, then you were institutionalized. Yeah. And you were either institutionalized in a medical sense or you were sent to a convent or yeah. you were otherwise dealt with in some way right. or you were some kind of servant, you know?
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Talk about gaslighting. <sighs> I mean, it's, 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 it's part of nature, you know what I mean? And this is why I subscribe to the metaphor of shedding Mm -hmm. is it's like yes it feels horrible to be in a skin that you've outgrown and and it may feel unnatural but it's one of the most natural things in the world that something is true for a while you know like to say like truth is organic if if truth is really true then it's a part of nature and Mm -hmm. so it's it can be eternal but it's eternally transforming and renewing and having seasons and bearing fruit Mm -hmm. and then decomposing and re This is... Okay, so everything we've... You know, Louis C.K., at the end of one of his specials,
0: has this uh, bit about... Um, he's like... It, I think it's called, like, Yes, But but Maybe, or something he calls it. He says, or he's like, uh, you know, you have these cultural premises, but then, but then I have these little thoughts. And it's like, one of them is like, Yes, slavery is, like, the worst thing, but maybe it led to the pyramids and our ability... And he goes on and on to the point where he gets to the fact that you are watching this on your iPhone right now while taking a shit. Like, that's what we got from slavery, and that's what we continue to get from slavery. And it's the same thing, like, you talk about these male geniuses and whatever. It's like, yeah, well, we couldn't have had all that. Like, that wouldn't have all happened without, like you say, those women performing Mm -hmm. so much labor and... Co- creatively collaborating and allowing one person to take, not like how we need Shakespeare to be one person, even though maybe he it wasn't. It's like all those men, we need that to be one person, even though that was a union of yeah. probably two people at
1: least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's part of how patriarchy, like I actually think feminism could learn something from that because it's a form of collaboration, not obviously, but indirectly in that... Um, you know, what men have been really good at is naming each other's genius, like, pointing at each other and psyching each other and being like, you know, you should read his book or, like, you know, like, I'm writing a blurb about you. Mm-hmm. I want to be associated with you. I like your ideas. I want them spread. They're similar to my ideas. We raise each other's status. Like, there has been room for that type of fraternity in male professionals mm-hmm. that I think... I hope that that's what is emerging for women is more confidence in just saying, I see the brilliance in your point of view and what you're trying to share. And I want to signal boost you. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that there's a, you know, a big overlap in what lesbianism is Mm -hmm. in terms of we tend to, I think, or my history with that word and that concept has been, like, lesbians are women who reject men, who hate men, who think men are stupid or whatever, Um, and, you know, I think that there, there's a, a flavor of that, that that we can play with is true. Actually more gross. But, <laughs> more, more gross than stupid. Yeah, there are
0: clearly some smart ones out there, there's clearly some dumb ones out there, but yeah. there's grossness.
1: But, but, that, like, ra- I've never heard, I, I had never heard it until I, like, started, you know, snooping around the witch community, I had never heard it discussed as like a specific form of love, a sapphic love, you know, as like, a, a sort of innate, almost destined desire to devote oneself to a woman and to elevate that woman, elevate her life mm-hmm. purpose, elevate her pleasure and energy and influence because, you know, well that's just someone's nature, but also probably what a what a vocational gift that is because the yeah. world needs more of that. Yeah. And so I mean that that transformed my thinking and it transformed my understanding of the anger behind Contemporary lesbians in reaction to the transgender conversation who are feeling erased, Mm -hmm. where they're experiencing it as being told, like, we cannot even imagine a world in which it is acceptable to refuse penis or to say that it is important to you to love a, a, a woman, a wo- you know, like oh, the woman in woman. the traditional definitional the sense, formally known as women. the uh, artist, yeah, right? <laughs> um, that you know, and that there's a vocational overlap in that we talked about how all women were slaves, you know, or all, all women were property. property. All women were property. I mean, you uh, you're pretty much a sex
0: slave. I mean, you were legally a sex slave until. With the '70s or something, right? Rape, rape and marriage—it
1: has so, its own category. But I mean, there's there's chattel
0: slavery is different than marriage slavery.
1: Let's just stipulate that. Yes, 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 yes. But acknowledging that that category of right. enslavement exists, literal and spiritual, um, that there there's that legacy, but there's also these other legacies of cults of the goddess, where it's a, a spiritual and sexual vocation of a woman to not seek domestication with a man, and instead to devote herself to the protection of the ecology and the harmony of the community. And so, like, in Mm -hmm. Catholicism, like, that's been adapted into convents, like, public service. Mm -hmm. Um, But it derives, I think, from something that uh, predates that and brings it back into that gender economy sense where it's like, you know, are you the kind of woman who bears and rears children or are you the kind of woman who, um, you know, teaches and studies, raises consciousness for your community, protects the water source, you know, like Mm. that's also a contribution and, and it, you know is you know you can have as much sex as you want like in Mm -hmm. those places with the other women and you can even have sex with men you just vow not to uh, make a family out of it you know like your priority is to be here as a devotee of the goddess yeah you know and that's your personification of the greater body, you know, the Christ body, the, yeah. the ecology itself, like s- specific to the land where you are, so um so it makes total sense that there's like a, d- a deep button being pushed because the whole story of patriarchy is is in a way like trying to stamp that out and be like, no, yeah. you have to be available right for opposite sex sex, yeah, and there's no such thing as escaping, you know, the domestic duties. There's no other place to go. You yeah. can't go hang out with all your lesbian friends and prioritize the cleanliness of the water. It just doesn't fit into this economy right. where the water can't matter because we're experimenting on it now, you yeah. know? And that it's just like a totally different idea of conceptualizing, like, what is the point of life, you know? Is it yeah. to venerate or is it to accumulate?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing. I think that there's just so much going on, just like with the woman and the gender conversation, the lesbian thing, there's so much, you know, going on of people bringing their different things to it and their different definitions and their different. And like, even within myself, I know there's, I have like 19 different reasons why I get rankled by the people trying to change the definition of the word lesbian from what I want it to be or, or for whatever. And I mean, and, and that all stuff is like yeah that's all great and true and i think that that's definitely part of it um yeah and and framing these questions as economic questions like you know, let's not forget that what a radical thing it was to say i am not going to attach myself to a penis person you know like there is all, all of that um and also though just like okay so uh a very young open mic comedian uh I just heard him tell this joke, um, it's stupid and it's, it's whatever, but, um, he he talked about that, you know, she, he was like, women call men trash all the time, um, and, you yeah, okay, so if we're trash, what does that make, yeah, makes y'all all, you know what you all are? Trash feeders? Come, come dumpsters. Oh. Which, first of all, it breaks down because in, in the metaphor, they would just be a dumpster, like you're adding Mm-hmm. come in, I guess it's supposed to be funny um, and it's like you know, it's just not a good joke for a million reasons but that, but beyond that I'm, like, I'm just like, thank you because here you've isolated one of the visceral issues that I have with um, you know, people saying uh, that I should be open to girl dick and it's like, well it, it's just the same way, you know like, men forever uh, when you know, if I tell them I'm a lesbian it's like Oh, you sure you just haven't found the right dick yet? Have you tried my dick? You just haven't the dick, you know? Um, and it's like, so now, to be told now, when we may have, maybe we haven't found the right girl dick, it's like, okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not looking Talking like a woman. Just butt out. Just you're butt out. not looking like a woman right now, by the way. You sound like men when you say that to me, you know? Um, just let's put that there, you know, as that, that's a kind of visceral, like, that's my reaction to it. I'm like, just so you know what you sound like, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and then it's also this thing of like, so the moment that I allow a man to do that to me, he gets to, or anybody, you know what I mean, to call, to say, I, I walked up on stage after this person and was able to be like, well, I guess at least I'm not a cum dumpster, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it, it's that, have you ever heard the phrase still beat? No. Um, it's something that men will sometimes say uh, about... A woman. If, if he's had PIV with her, then, you know, whatever the woman might say, well, you weren't good in bed or any, anything about the person, and, and he'll still be. And it's this way for the fragile little egos to be like, yeah, it doesn't matter that you didn't come. It doesn't matter that you didn't enjoy it. It did not matter that you, you want anything still beat like I still beat you Uh in the sense that I got you to let me put my dick inside of you and so I say to men you know or any or any penis havers you know sorry to group you all together but until you shove it with that until I never hear someone you know what I mean sex is a fun beautiful if we're all having a good time great but to to call someone a cum dumpster or to still beat that kind of attitude makes me well then I will not let you make me into a cum dumpster i right. will not you will never beat me mm-hmm. um if that is the attitude that we're going to have gentlemen you know you grow up i'll grow up i yeah it probably would be fun to have sex with penis people you know what i mean i could see that our our parts are designed for each other uh it might be fun to make a baby that way it you know there could be a world in which if we could resolve this gender shit you know that that we could i think everybody is a little bisexual. Yeah. yeah, well, I think even if,
1: that's the default. Yeah, yeah,
0: even if even if we're, we you might be homoamorous or this that or the other, or you have a strong whatever. I think we are. Um, we're um, we know we're omnivorous as human. You know whether it's about what well, we put our whichever are our holes. We're an omnivorous. We are an adaptive omnivorous species. We're curious. Yeah, we're curious. We love peeking.
1: We, we want poking, to put, yeah, mixing some things up. <laughs>
0: yeah, and so you know, but. I know that a big part of it is like, I will not give y'all the satisfaction. And I'm sorry to the trans women, but I'm like, "Mm, for now, I still feel like no. Because there are still people, and whether it's the trans women themselves, or just men, who still, that's enough for them. They do not like it that there are some of us who don't want to put penises in our bodies. Oh yeah. I know. This like, is what I'm talking about with like this has, yeah. sh- this has been the this has been the,
1: the it's story upsetting all to along. Them.
0: it's upsetting to them and their order of the universe right that there might be people who are satisfied with that. They think they really think like
1: no you want that dick though. You want on some Well like that it's dick. a dangerous premise, you know, to encourage women to believe that we can meet our own sexual needs. Right. You know, that everything collapses. Right. If you know mm-hmm. It, at least in a world where we're rich enough that we do not yeah need like the brawn right I mean, we don't have to choose between living in under a man's roof and sleeping in his bed with living in a convent like right. there are other options um, so yeah and it and it's and it's an economic threat of course you know that's that's what I think is hard for people to really have compassion for or to really take in it's like what's happening right now is this this like, we're riding out this separation of areas of life that would have been woven together. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's bad that they were woven together because it created order. But it's just, like, that stopped making sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if we had... If we, agreed, if we made different technological agreements and we made different spiritual agreements, then it could make sense again. But it seems like the majority of us don't want you know, um, sex and personal, like the emotional life to be, uh, woven together with like economic and, and literally the, the, um, arrangements of, of habitation, you mm-hmm. know, um, of, of guarding ground. So, you know, it's just a matter of like having patience for each other. I think with the anxiety that comes up in some new thing where we're figuring out, you know, so how are we going to organize this now? Or how are we even going to talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but women loving women has, has always been uh, a menace, you know, economically. And uh, so I think that we are falling into a little bit of a trap of using transgender people as a new way, however unconsciously to threaten women loving women with lower status, you know, with mm-hmm. like another way of just being like you're not allowed to be like that, like you're not a good woman, you know, if you have this preference or if you have this boundary, you know, yeah. it has to be hate. It has to be hate is your reason for choosing to love a woman above everyone else. Yeah. You know, so that is something that the conversation has to face and I get why it's triggering, because it's nuanced, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think most of the people... We talked about this our first conversation with inverted submission displays. Like, a, a, a lot of the people who are probably um, making the most noise in the conversation mm-hmm. um, are are really just wanting to, you know, signal that they want to protect the most vulnerable people. And I think that's beautiful. And I value that. And I just there needs to be a deeper reality track of like how many of us are vulnerable, right. how many of us need that kind of fierceness right. for, for standing up. You yeah, know? There's sort of a, you could say that
0: there's like a wall of moms, you know, on Twitter or anywhere, um, <laughs> protecting trans people. And I think what some of us are saying is like, okay, pl- yeah, look, uh, you know, we need, I need a wall of mommies too. And I, yeah, pl- please actually protect trans people, but please protect a lot of us. Please protect women. Please protect little gender non-conforming vagina people. Yeah. Please protect lesbians. Yeah. You know we we need a lot of walls and mommies. You know, and yeah. it's just like it's not just the causes du jour. Right. That need the wall moms,
1: but those are the ones where there is clout to be. Right. You know, so it's a kind of a two for two for one, there, and you know I also just there's there's because it's so shocking like again, the. The solutions to transgender issues that we're talking about now are, like, really new. Like, as far as I know, like, first generation kind of in our lifetime new. And I think that the whole conversation is really shocking to the average unconscious. This idea of, like, you can be trapped in your own body, you know? And, you know, this um, paradox that's being described is really shocking to people. And so uh, even even though by now we're used to talking about it um, and we have our, most of us, sound bias on the ready of our positions on it, um, that there's some deep part in us in which that is actually really disturbing, that whole concept, you know, that we can be the wrong gender. And again, I'm like, well, right now for most of us, gender is meaningless, so I wouldn't overthink it because yeah. we don't have gender. Um yeah. But um, but because of that shock, we're more suggestible. You know, we want yeah. the thing to say, we want to to be able to just like repeat what the position is. Yeah. You know, and that's that's understandable. But you know, transgendered people or people having gender dysphoric experiences need protection. From, I agree with J.K. Rowling that they deserve protection from predatory industries who. Yeah maybe don't consciously see dollar signs, although I wouldn't put it past them, yeah. you know? Yeah. Given what we know about the long history of medical exploitation of vulnerable people. Yeah. Including very recent history... Oh, yeah. You know, um, of the opioid epidemic. So the, the, there's a reason to pump the brakes here because we are talking about people's lifelong health. And we also, you know... Uh, like, superficially, we've destigmatized mental health. Yeah. But obviously, if we're living in a world where if one person has the position, you know, whether it's a, a lay person or an expert, that gender dysphoria is psychosomatic, so a, a, a mental stress that, experience, that expresses in physical symptoms, yeah. that it's more that than a birth defect. And we say, you're a bigot... Yeah. What we're really doing is revealing that we believe that mental ailments or psychological ailments um, are, uh, you know, uh, the same as, as saying calling someone crazy yeah. or saying that that's their fault or it's not yeah. real, you know, these kind of things. So, I mean, I think a lot of people, their instincts to protect um, have outpaced their like internalization of what they're claiming to believe in terms of like destigmatizing mental illness and again yeah. we all have it we're all dissociating we're all coping Yeah. you know we all have addictions because we're all lacking ritual and so right. that's the that's what that's what you get out of a human when you deprive them of conscious rituals unconscious ritual right
0: you know and and yeah without Like we're so we're we're in such a genderless place, like you say, in all these kind of real terms, that yeah, it's leaving people to in in a disordered place about gender. All all kinds of people are in a disordered place about gender. Um, Well, you know, and I think with J.K. Rowling, like it's I I wish people would realize how how mama bear she's really being about. Um, about children and about the medicalization that, that that they're that they're signing themselves up that they're wanting to sign themselves up for a lifelong medicalization. Um, you know that's what parents are supposed to be there to to stop that. But you know when a culture has started to shame parents and, and, and not just for trans stuff but for so many things like we tell mothers um, what to eat from six months before they conceive the child and from, from onward everything that they do to their bodies and everything everything about you know how children should be raised. Like there's just so there's so much um, of us, you know, not letting each other parent. Um, and, yeah, if they're told that they're child abusers in a lot of circles now if they were to slow a kid down and say, like, you know, let's talk about this before just... Mm-hmm. Um, get... So, I, like, yeah, I think that because J.K. Brown, like, also very clearly um, has some strong feelings, just as I clearly do that involve resentment, that involve, um, you know, indignation, things like that, because that comes through as well, then they want, people, you know, want to slash can dismiss her and say, look how she's hateful, she's clearly hateful, because, you know, I don't know if hate is really the right word for what's in her heart or mind, but there are some of those, you know, um more difficult emotions well anger anger there's yeah. anger yes exactly so there's anger and so when you're taking anger and then you're yeah calling anger hate which is not true mm. um but we do have some anger and at the same but at the same time and this is part of what happens with with uh females and our like monthly cycles and stuff right sometimes where you're at in your cycle it does lead you to be in this place of real anger um, and sometimes you go to an 11, it's some things that maybe you didn't need that, but also it helps you find the places where you haven't been advocating for yourself. Or right, yeah. And realizing that. And so I think it's like that that moment, and who knows where JK was at in her cycle when she still has one, I don't know. Um, but you know what I mean? Of, of, um, of saying like, yeah, she had anger, and that's where some of that stuff's coming from, but it's also that mama bear anger of... How dare we, as a culture, to look woke? Not just ignore the fact that these children and and young adults, even who are really still children at this point in our society, are signing themselves up to be lifelong dependents on a medical. Which, by the way, it's not only really expensive, but like this, like this, uh, some of these you know people who want to like really tear down the structure of America. I'm like. Okay. Good luck getting your hormones if you tear down the government. Oh yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean you know it's there's a lot of there's a lot hormones there. to go no, down there. Get into that, it's, yeah, it's it's tough situation. You know, like as a parent, I just, I mean, I I, I had a brief moment of being like, oh, is this going to be our path? Because uh, my daughter, when she was three, went through a brief phase of telling me that she was a boy. Um And I definitely, like, the first time she said it, I, like, took that breath where I was like, okay, here we go. Don't fuck this <laughs> up, you <either." laughs> know? Like, like, uh, like I don't. It's all so easy. It's all so easy to say that one thing is true and there's one course or whatever, one way to react. But when you're actually a parent in that moment, if you're devoted to that child who they are, I think, like, you just have to surrender to listening in a certain way where like nobody else can really tell you yeah. like what's on the other end of it. And so I just did my best to, uh, you know, to not present my own distress cause it is distress cause then you're in a position of making these decisions for yeah. someone else that, yeah, I'm talking about a fucking three year old, you know? And so fortunately, I just kind of played it cool, and then I came to understood her because in her case, in that instance, she was. And this is revealing too about like gender in our culture. But even with our active attempt to bring her like an empowering upbringing with yeah. what we surrounded her Y'all with, aren't putting princess pink stuff everywhere. Or well, I had now it is because she <laughs> she she loves that stuff. But I but think. back then it was you know like as neutral as we could make it. Just wanting to, you know, give your child options. I think that's the thing. And um, she had come to understand that boy meant person. Yeah. And I I only knew that that because she started trying to tell me that I was a boy.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I realized, like, oh, we need to get some different books in here because uh, there's books with girls in it, but I don't know, you know, like, it's just...
0: Things are changing, but I think that, yeah, you've hit the nail, and she hit the nail on the head. And what we're talking about from, from the mankind, and man mm-hmm. is supposed to be a woman, or are supposed to be all of us, uh, it, yeah, quite the through line, because here we have a child recognizing that in, in 2017 or whenever that was, mm-hmm. um, you know, saying... Oh, I'm a boy. I'm a person, and it feels like and I think J.K. Rowling is advocating for all of us who cuz sometimes when I think about my own gender and my I, I, when I look back, I am like, yeah, I mean a lot of it is like I identified with boys because that was those were the hero's journeys that I was presented with. Mm-hmm. Everything in books and movies, I'm almost all of it was a boy. And so, if I I identified as the protagonist of my journey. And if right. you identify as the protagonist, right. the only option was to identify as a boy for a long time. And I think we're just really starting to get more books and more movies and yeah. stuff out there to have that. And like, yeah, there's this wonderful video game, The Last of Us Two, where you get to play a lesbian and, huh. and, and like have a... Bo- you know what I mean? But even just even getting main characters as yes. girls in video games. Well, and the characters
1: are, that we've had... Um, usually, in some way, their gender is an obstacle in their mm-hmm. hero's journey. It's like it has to be addressed that being a girl is this secondary thing, yeah. you know. Where I'm like, just don't even. At this point, just stop. Yeah. Not only stop making those stories, stop broadcasting, stop making them accessible, right? Because they're they're incepting this insecure this gender insecurity, mm-hmm. you know. Which it's not like they're not going to notice. But it, they're not going to learn how to deal with it, you know, from the half hour episode of like pony, whatever, <laughs> you know, but like, thank you for your intentions, but this yeah. really does come down to parenting, yeah. you know, n- involving the whole community. So, you know, but, but I do have, um, a person who's transitioned in my family and, um, you know, that, that that's a really difficult position to be in as a parent. And I think part of it is that there is this like sense of mourning that has to happen for maybe the, um, the world that, that you had imagined that you'd allowed yourself to become attached to for a vision for your child. And, um, you know, I don't encourage anyone to get attached to their visions of someone else for obvious reasons, yeah, even your child, even but your, it, right? But, but it, but it occurs, you right. know, and it, and it, and it, and it doesn't just like, oh, it occurs by accident. is one of the things that I think gets some people through, yeah. you know, is like stuff's really hard right now, but just imagine when we're at her wedding, you know, yeah. or, you know, that kind of a thing, like where right. your life kind of flashes before your eyes going forward and back when you're a parent. Right. And so there's just recalibration to do. And where the con- I think the conversation is getting better right now, but for a long time, it was just like you have to accept this, and you have to cheer this on, and you have to, you know, like be happy about it, or you're an asshole, non-affirming, right. you know, um, and you get like punished, yeah, you know. And it's just like this is just this is just like human business right here that yeah. we have to figure out how to deal with.
0: Well, and you know, then what happens is a lot of this is getting dealt with at schools. And the kids are only talking about their gender stuff at school. And here we have these factories where, you know, the response... We don't have time, if you have 25 students in your classroom, we don't have time for each of those kids struggling with their gender for an adult to listen to them, Mm -hmm. to really listen, and to really help them in a conscious, reflective way. If the policy at these factories that we call schools is, once a kid says, I'm a boy then we change the, the pronouns on their form. We ch- you know what I mean? And we don't tell the parents. And we whatever. You know, we have schools
1: deciding to do the parenting in that way, but in a factory-like way. <sighs> mm, yeah, I mean, I have so many. I just, like, I'm very radical in that I, I would completely start from the drawing board with schools. Me too. And that's not yeah. that's One of those not ones, like, Defund and- the
0: police. Defund the education <laughs> system. Let's... Re- I mean, the police, we c- I think we could reform that the education system I can't
1: imagine how we're supposed to just reform it it's for a different economy it's for a different economy yeah you know it's just it is like this dingleberry at this point you know or like let's call it stale bread yeah like that's stale stale stale. bread it's not it's
0: we kind of need to throw it out and or or feed it
1: to the pigeons or whatever and or make a we're just missing out on so much. Loaf and, we're and missing milk. out on so much nutrition. Yeah. I think at this point, you know, what what I think the academy is supposed to be speaking of scholarship uh, or schools, it's supposed to be some place that helps us consciously recognize and communicate that like, oh, something has changed and so it's attached to these other parts of our lives. And so It still exists in our expectations, but we need to address that, Yeah, you know? And so for schools, just being like, okay, so we've noticed, like, psychologists, I'm always like, where the fuck are you with your studies? Why, You know, we know that, like, social media does not actually meet our social needs, because our social needs are visceral needs. They're somatic. They're needs of our body. Like, I need to look in your eyes. I need to smell you. I need to laugh with you or I'm going to go fucking crazy. I need to see you know? your
0: subtle fluctuations of your facial expression as I talk. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like this is, these are part of our needs that we're erroneously thinking are getting met when really we're just like trading opinions and right. and projections, right? It's not right. the same thing to just see somebody's name pop up, you know, yeah. it's, it's like chemically there is a short burst of the same thing, right. but it doesn't nourish our bodies in right. the same way. And so, you know, we need to take that into account immediately and go, like, okay, well, there need to be, like, advisories on this. It's like, sugar. there are on cigarettes. And you just, know? well, and just as there should be on sugar. Yeah, right. These kinds of things. And just, like, information, you know, so start there. I don't think right. we should start with banning because then you have reactionism. But starting right. with educational campaigns of, like, look, this is, and not, like, just articles that you can read online, but actually when you open the app. You know, like advisory. that kind of regulation, and then with schools being like, okay, so when we allow kids to all go in different private schools, then they don't know their neighbors. It's children who introduce the neighbors to each other, mm-hmm. typically. Mm-hmm. You know, so then we're we're our communities themselves are actually weaker. Their self reliance is weaker. Their dependence is higher. Yeah. You know, and the truth is, is like. That, that's, funneling, that's funneling all of our hope into legislation. And legislation almost never reflects reality. You know, the bills that are submitted and the bills that are passed almost never reflect reality because there's just diffused accountability,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and delayed consequences and ambiguous expectations. But we put all of our hope in that. And then it's like, oh, the budget, oh, the timeline, oh, corruption. And meanwhile, we have all of these skills and all of these needs that we can meet amongst each other. But we have to get it through our heads that that's what actually reflects reality is our day-to-day behavior with each other. So the area of research and the area of reform has to actually be in this microcosm that is like your water table and the people who you share a street with, yeah. you know, and your, your, the audio landscape with, you know, like how are you going to organize with them to protect your space so that you all can relax there? Yeah. You know, that's what's coming up for people right now. I think
0: that's what's coming up in terms of, um,
1: during the people, pandemic, oh, yeah, people are becoming more aware. I think of their, the the ghost of community
0: yeah yeah and i mean i mean i've been saying that for years i mean because i think that you know as mormons one thing that we know is what community really means right um and i really i, I it came to me some years ago that i think because because a lot of times when you would talk to like an atheist and they would say and you, would, and you would say, well, religion has some, there's some baby in that bathwater. They would say, would say, oh, right, like community or whatever, you know, like it's like kind of tick off, like, yeah, maybe it was easier, I mean, for you to do charity work. Most people actually aren't even that aware, but you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, there's some things you got out of it. Like, And I'm like, I feel like when they would say the word community, a lot of people were literally just envisioning. A group of people all facing forward, looking at the person at the pulpit, and when they think with heard the word community, huh. you know what I mean. And it's like I'm like, no, like church isn't just that we literally congregated together, and and especially some churches, you know, it's like, well, hopefully you make some community at the coffee and donuts afterwards. And Mormons, though we don't have coffee and donuts, um, you know, we have everything else. We <laughs> have everything else. But it was like, no, I mean. You know, you had an interwoven network of people who all knew each other, who were often assigned to work together or visit each other, even if you didn't like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, all this, stuff, like, your lives were all intertwined. They
1: knew we knew each other's needs. Everyone knew each other's.
0: Yeah, exactly. Everyone. Knew, and if you, if someone died, if someone got married, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Someone moved. We were someone always were helping moved. people move. Yeah, and it was like we knew what community. And I'm like, people, people just don't even know that, like wouldn't even imagine what that would be
1: like or whatever you know right I mean? yeah and I I do think that's beautiful I think we should have I think it should be yeah more like neighborhood based instead mm-hmm. of you know like what's your theory on the universe based because that's right. where I think we actually are entitled to freedom you know and that's mm-hmm. again like this beautiful premise of America is like you know even if it's um Apocryphal, you know, but like you do you spiritually, yeah. like the mystery is your business. As long as you treat others with respect, um, but yeah, I want to see that in the neighborhood. It's it sucks that the um,
0: the neighbor what's what's that neighbor app um, next door next. It sucks that next door has gotten this weird uh, uh, um, reputation as like a Karen site for yeah. reporting on your. Well, wonderful. but it and is, though. I, oh, mean, it's I, well, I mean, well, maybe that's what's happened. I don't, you know, I don't know. But I was like, at first when it came out, and I did lose a little bit, it was just people being like, does anyone have a power tool I can borrow? You yeah, know? yeah. Um, which is beautiful and great. And it's like, yeah, but whether it's <laughs> app-based, I mean, we can do this. But that would be a really cool movement in this country is if we did get neighborhoods to yeah. really start being in communion with each other. You know, my parents actually... Um, you know, are this mindset because August 1st, we, said we just missed it. Or it's, maybe it's the first... It was supposed to be... It's like the first something in August. Yeah. Um, is something called like Neighbor... Some some kind of Neighbor Day. And they would always host... Lunasa?
1: Um, you what? <laughs> I said Lunasa. Is that an app? Too? That's a... <laughs> oh no. That's a... Um, uh, Celtic uh, holiday on August first. Oh, that's well, we yeah. Combine Com- it community celebration. Yeah.
0: Oh, good. Well, maybe that's what it's staying from. But they just call it like Neighbor Day or something, and they would host like a little ice cream social for everyone in the neighborhood. And, you know, they would put up. I don't know if they put up signs yeah. or even just kind of told everyone because they would, you know, as you're doing your walk, you know, people are walking your dog or whatever, and you say 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 hi to people and you tell them and tell, tell your neighbors and you know, that kind of thing because it's. Is then we could all get together and talk about noise. We could get together yeah, and talk yeah, about, yeah. hey, they are proposing this thing right, that's right. going to affect our neighborhood and gossip, the city. Gossip, man. Should, yeah, gossip. Should should one of us be sent to go to right. that city council meeting? Right. right. You right. know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I, so I call this the block party. Yeah. Like the block party politics. So instead of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or the Green Party or whatever, it's your block. And... My vision for that is not literally your block, but, like, a certain kind of zone where you have, like, a monthly block party. Yeah. It's festive. It's funded. And, you know, it should go, I think, all weekend, all day and night so that people of all schedules can pop in. Totally. And then that, like... Everybody, you know, the different neighborhoods have their block party at different times and you're invited to adjacent block parties yeah. or you might even have four block party centers in
0: a, in a, when I lived in Roslindale, part of like the Boston, you know, area, um, we did have a, a day where it was a block party. every everyone on that street and it had been going on cause my, you know, then wife and I were like, we're renting this place from, uh, another lesbian couple who had lived there for like 25 years and so it was just the tradition that they'd always had on Mm -hmm. that block to get together and it seems very like boston you know but we have but i feel like yeah we're losing more and more of that stuff too especially these younger generations who don't have uh who aren't maybe as tied to those traditions like please if we're gonna give up all the religion stuff like we've got to do something to have community and I love the idea of it being monthly instead of once a year or whatever, you know, like a monthly party, block party. That's such, and some people really love being the hosts of stuff like that and get and then yeah, and then they also get to be
1: contributing that to the tribe. And, and then when you have actual talents, you know, mm-hmm. you get to share them. And then you get to see people. You're like, oh, you know, like that guy who like always picks his butt while he mows the lawn is also mm-hmm. like an amazing guitarist. And I have some questions for him, you yeah. know, like... Uh, It's so important, and the thing with the apps, God bless them, is that no matter what, when you're organizing power, the Karens are going to show up, and they have a role in the ecosystem, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, They'll show up in person at the block party, and they'll show up online, but it's easier for them to just, like, hold court online. There's no, like real embodied consequences in the social interaction online, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just think it becomes a place where people who have zero tolerance for Karens, like, can't show up and participate, Mm -hmm. you know, can't work around it, whereas in the 3D world, it feels more like everybody's place, you know, and it's, you know, Karen has her charms, too, in real life when she's not just quipping about whatever's in her panties, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the idea that uh, that a Karen is someone who's maybe gonna dampen the party because someone's not following the rules or something like that is yeah. kind of the. Which you know. Yeah, but a Karen in person has to keep some of
1: that. Right, and we're um, talking about we're Karen to... as the perpetual note giver slash complainer, not as the white woman who you know uses yeah. her race to terrorize. Yeah, like black I people. guess
0: yeah, that's become a subset
1: of. What we're, yeah, no, so I think it was originally whole... the a, a like a, a racial term. I,
0: that's yeah, what you're heard. right. It
1: kind of did start and to and become now, generalized. And now we, yeah, you're right.
0: Now we've generalized it to mean this like whole um yeah. this whole type of person. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Karens are welcome. But but a Karen, you're right. In person, like online, she could she might be able to just there's all kinds of things that are able to flourish online. Or she
1: offers other things. Yeah. You know, I feel like Karens are often actually like generous in their own way, Mm -hmm. as an archetype. Like they're the ones who just like drop off muffins when they see someone new has moved in. Right. And I don't know that it's entirely a power play, although they might just be like alpha women trapped in a patriarchy, fucking freaking out. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As So many of us are. (laughs) Yeah. In our own way. (laughs) Well, yeah. I don't think
0: we have to dissect the Karen archetype fully right now. And I do have to go um, in a couple minutes here. Do you? Have any last thoughts
1: about
0: um, oh, gender, gender or women or, or, or lesbians? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Or, <laughs> well, sure. You know, I'm trying to accept that invitation more and to be less afraid and to to just like enjoy more the fact that I have a right to have my own conversation about like women mm-hmm. and, and and not always be just responding to you know other what other people put out there. And so I want I. I feel like I want to say, you know, for me, being a woman at this time, like where we are right now, has to have something to do with being a warrior, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I would posit that it should, our priority, our number one priority should be protecting water from privatization. Yeah. And so if you feel like you are a woman based on whatever. Indications you have, then it's like, congratulations, sister. Now let's do what we need to take care of our baggage so that we can keep our eyes on the prize. Yeah. Because, for, and you know, again, people can say this is cheesy or disagree with me, but if you're asking me, the way that I think we need to imagine ourselves is as the water protectors.
0: It, which is, I mean, you know, if that sounds woo woo to anyone, it is absolutely the number one. Um, issue facing mankind person people kind (laughs) us um is that the our ability to have enough water to sustain us to thrive to be able to live the lives that we want to live is really threatened and so when we talk about that it's on a very real way it's not some kind of like metaphysical like in what ways can you protect the water in your life no 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 like I mean, we have real work to do to make sure that there's topsoil on the farms so that the water is sinking in and not running off into the ocean immediately. Um, There's real work to do about who is selling our land to whom mm-hmm. so that they get access because they have uh, more money they can drill deeper than the other farmers can and then they can get the water
1: and you know what i mean like and on native reservations on, where they supposedly have their own well rights as part of those agreements right. and then corporations are still coming in and drilling Five underneath yeah. their land
0: exactly and it's yeah if you drill deep enough that's one of those things and and we absolutely need uh, our government to to do the right things there and so yeah we need that's part of now being a woman who is protecting the water is you need to get in government we need yeah, to yeah. get yeah. our in government
1: Prefigurative government which would be the black party stuff that we're mm-hmm. talking about and also the government that level. pops into your mind at every level I, absolutely right that we integrate our gender as saying like okay I'm done with that conversation now mm-hmm. you know in terms of like am I or am I not because I have a focal point it is both yeah. within me and outside of me and connecting me to every other form of life on this planet right. and so that is what for me that is what the womanness in my body like yeah. calls me calls my attention to is be like yeah this is the priority right now this is like the defining uh, the defining field of labor Yeah. you know for all humanity really but as a woman I see myself as the leader of that yeah. you know not the secondary yeah so i anyone that resonates with them they can go ahead and take that and play with it and if it's something else good but but like let's move toward that like yeah. let's keep our eye on if we we're going to i don't know if
0: this is a fair question but if being a woman to you you know cuz that's something you kept talking about that was interesting like this you know being protecting the water source as opposed to like uh, a man who is making sure we have enough food is that food and water is that
1: kind of the dichotomy that we're setting up. I mean maybe that that's the conversation we need to have I think which yeah. is like again if we want to hang on to gender and keep talking about gender and referencing gender as a real thing and and continuing to construct it basically. Yeah. yeah. Then what does it mean? Because it's yeah. an economic term. Yeah. And that means that it has to do with who does what labor. Yeah. And the like for me I'm just saying that the main the number one priority for our species and for, if you fancy our species, to be stewards upon the earth. Yeah. Is to figure out, like, what are our agreements around water? And not just protecting it from physical contamination, mm-hmm. but also, like, holding space for that religious freedom, for that spiritual freedom. Which says, like, this is, sa- this is a sacred fucking po- sacred potion. Yeah. And it's not empty, by the way, even though we filter everything out. Mm-hmm. And we're not the only ones drinking it. Like, this is the blood. Yeah. This is our blood, you know? And if that grosses you out, then, you know, we have deeper work to do about womanhood. Kind of cool about Mormons
0: that we don't bother with the wine and go straight to the water and we say this is the blood of Christ,
1: yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of affection in this room for Mormonism. I think
0: <laughs> they weren't just being pansy-ass teetotalers. It was like I mean, they had a real good metaphor. They're so thing fucking on. cute. <laughs> They're so cute. I don't know the Okay, but I have to go. I love that. Thank you. <gasps> Thank you.